Please take a seat, everyone. And we are continuing our series on friendship this morning, and this is our last, our last sermon in this series. And I thought I'd start with a, a quick video that highlights for us some of the problems we face in friendship. Right, maybe we'll skip that if it's not going to work. Uh, we really need the audio. It's not, it's not on mute, is it, Gary, in the... I could. Do you want me to sing it? All right, I'll give it a go. Not my song, it's Collins. Be my friend, we don't need to meet, and I promise to give you all the space you need. Add my name to your list. Catch up on all the years we've missed And I'll always be there for you Let's keep this thing online You can check my status anytime Be my friend Join my crew Wait to chat and LOL with you. We can share our galleries full of photographs of friends we actually see. And I don't want to push it. I don't want to go too quick. But I know we both just click Be my friend Be my pal And let's rearrange a bit of HTML Mouse to mouse Heart to heart Just a little internet apart And someday we'll look back At all the good times that we've known Sitting in the dark alone Please confirm Then hit send that's all it's gonna take to be my friend. I love this song uh, because it illustrates one of the problems we have with friendship, doesn't it? That too often we settle for second best or something that's not really even in the same league as friendship. We settle for less 
than friends. And I hope that over the four, the four weeks of this series, you've been reminded of the importance of friendship and that you've been encouraged to pursue deeper, more meaningful friendships as they're so important in life. But today, in this fifth talk, it's a little bit different. And I don't want to encourage you to be friends in this talk. In fact, I want to start by saying... I don't want you to be friends. Because this talk, we're, we're thinking about what does it mean for us to be more than friends? I want to tell you, don't settle for friendship when we can have more. And particularly, I'm talking about the context of church where we are brothers and sisters, and mothers and fathers to one another in Christ. Don't settle for friendships. There's a danger of bringing friendships into church, and that leads to us kind of having subgroups that form around just those, those general things that we connect over, don't we? Those, those things that friendships form around, those common interests. Maybe it's golf that brings some of us together. Maybe it's grandchildren or gardening that brings some of us together. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's karate. Maybe it's dancing or gardening. Oh, I said gardening already, didn't I? Quilting <laughs> or air guitar or whatever political ideals or hobbies that we are bringing to the front. We can connect easily over those things, and we're used to it, and that's great for, for, for friendships. But that's a danger if we come to church and still lean into those things. It can create subgroups and cliques and it can lead to people feeling excluded. Uh, and I can, I've seen that in churches where people can be very hurt because people are pursuing friendships, which you think is a good thing. But in church, we need to not settle for friendships because we have something so much more than friendship. Well, I'd love you to turn your Bibles to the book of Philemon, Paul's shortest letter, and a remarkable little book of the Bible. Uh, I've rediscovered this week how encouraging this little letter is. And especially for us as we think about what does it mean to be brothers and sisters in Christ and not just friends. And let's read together. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. 
Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philemon. Paul writes in this letter to his friend and fellow worker, Philemon. He he, he lives in Colossae, uh, the, the, the town where Paul also wrote a letter to the church, the letter to Colossians, and we know that from the common people he refers to, uh, and also Onesimus is referred to in the letter to Colossians, if you want to look it up later, chapter 4, verse 9. But Paul's writing to his friend and co-worker Philemon about Onesimus, who was Philemon's slave who had absconded from his duties and run away. We don't know the details of what happened there. Maybe he's cheated Philemon out of some money. That's why Paul talks about paying him back later. That could be it, or it could just be in a general sense. Onesimus has run away, but in his travels has run into the Apostle Paul in jail somehow, in God's providence. We don't know how this has come about. Onesimus has come in contact with the Apostle Paul and been converted. Mind-blowing. Runs away from his Christian master and finds Christ. And now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. He's sending him back not just as a slave but as a brother in the Lord. And it's about this change 
that he writes. He wants to unpack a little bit for Philemon what this means for their relationship. And as he does so, he reveals some beautiful insights about what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. What it means to have relationships with one another within the church. And what, it, what we see is this, this new relationship transcends all the old relationships. It overcomes the boundary of master-slave, doesn't it? See again in, in verse 15, perhaps the reason he was separated you from a little, for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. There's a change taking place in this relationship. And there's still obligation there. That's why he's being sent back. Paul can't keep him. The slave-master relationship hasn't, hasn't just dissolved, but it's been trumped. There's a better relationship that overrides. He's going back as a brother. And this is the nature of our relationships in Christ, isn't it? They transcend every other relationship that we have, whether it be a family relationship, you buy natural families, whether it be those other friendships that we have around those common interest areas, whatever they are, our connection, our unity with one another in Christ stands above those things. That's why Jesus can say anyone who does not hate his mother or father or sister or brother is not worthy of me. He's saying the allegiance to him is ultimate. Not because he wants us to treat our mothers and sisters and brothers and fathers badly, but because he wants us to prioritise him over them. And it's in this way that our, our relationship with one another trumps those other relationships. We are connected with one another despite every other grouping, all those other natural affinities. We are brought together. A church should be a glorious mixing pot of people who you wouldn't naturally find together out there in society, shouldn't it? That's one of the remarkable and beautiful things about church. Like, why would we all hang out together? Maybe we could find some things that some of us were interested in. Some of us like reading books. Some of us like watching American football. Some of us like talking about the latest technology, the latest update on the iPhone. But, but not everyone falls into all those groups, do they? We couldn't find one other thing that unites us, apart from the fact that we kind of all live in the local area, but we're brought together across all those different things, across all the other kind of natural layers of friendship. What, what can unite us in this way? What is it that brings us together? Well, it's, it's Christ himself, isn't it? And Paul describes it here in verse 6 as he talks to Philemon. 
He says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith. What's the basis for their relationship? This connection, this partnership, this sharing together in the faith. And the faith here is not just kind of subscription to a religious role or putting it on your uh, census form, ticking the box that we belong to the same faith. This is a partnership in responding to Jesus' invitation, isn't it? That's what faith is. The faith is how we are called to respond when God, in his great love for us, gives his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, that's it, whoever has faith, shall not perish but have eternal life. As sinners, we respond to God by faith. Our partnership together is in our mutual response to Jesus' invitation to repent and believe the good news. This is what unites us. We are all sinners repenting and receiving Christ as Saviour. We're all seeking to honour him as the rightful ruler of the world and of our lives. So when Paul says that Philemon and he are partners in the faith, what's this he's talking about? They're partners in responding to Jesus. Notice what this means? Responding to Jesus is not a solo project. It's not something that we take on by ourselves as just individual islands. Lots of people say, I don't need church. I don't need to go to church to trust Jesus. Well, Paul here is talking about it like we do need church. We need each other. Not the building. We need each other as God's people. As we do this together, we respond to Jesus together. We seek to help one another to trust and follow Jesus. We are invested in each other's faith. We care about how one another are going in walking the walk of faith. This is what unites us. What does this look like in practice? How does it play out? Well, Paul here, he describes it in so many different ways. He talks about it in verse 6, about sharing for the sake of Christ. Every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. There's a mutuality. He mentions the love that Philemon has. Love is a key aspect. It comes up three times in verse 4, in verse 7, and in verse 9. The dynamic of their relationship. Encouragement. Verse 7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Wouldn't that be a great thing for someone to say about you? You've encouraged me the way that you refresh the hearts of the Lord's people. And then later on, Paul himself, he 
exhorts Philemon. In verse 20, he calls on him to do this. He says, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. He's asking for it. What does he want? What's going to be refreshing him in this way? Well, it's by following through on accepting Onesimus back as a, as a brother in the Lord, showing that love towards him, extending that partnership that he has with Paul to Onesimus, caring about that shared project of their faith, the way they respond to Jesus together. Paul describes hospitality as one of the aspects of their their relationship that he can expect when he comes to visit them that Philemon will open his house. He's already got a church meeting there, so he's used to having people through the door. uh, But he's kind of he's inviting himself over, and there's no he's got no qualms about that. That's what you can that's what you can expect. Brothers and sisters. He talks about serving and helping, verses 11, 13, and 21. He talks about praying for them as an aspect of this relationship. Verse 4, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Verse 6, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective. And he's the basis of him hoping to come and visit them is that Philemon's prayers and the church in Colossae's prayers will be answered. See verse 22? I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. They're praying for one another. If we care for one another and each other's faith, we're going to be upholding each other to God and asking God to be at work to strengthen and grow that faith in each other. And the last thing I think, the last thing here I think is worth noting, the dynamic of this relationship is just the affection they have for each other. Did you notice that as I was reading it before? The way Paul describes it, Onesimus, he became like a son to him. And I'm sending him, verse 12, who is my very heart, back to you. And he's very dear to me, verse 16, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. There's this great outflowing of affection between them. We enjoy each other in Christ. Maybe not all the time. There's things about us that are going to rub each other up. Uh, But overall, the overarching dynamic of this relationship when it's, when it's going well is that we have affection. This is, this is the type of relationship that I want to hold before you and say, don't settle for friendship, brothers and sisters, when God has called us to relationships like this. Having a partnership in faith, a shared identity, that's deeper than the, the interests that might come and go, the different circles we mix in and out of, different times of life. 
Oh, this is, this is going to endure. Did you notice one SMS is coming back to Philemon? He's been away for a little while, that he might come back to him forever, Paul says. In Christ, we, we connect and grow, looking forward to eternity together. We're going to be hanging out forever. And it's that prospect, isn't it, that drives us on to want to keep encouraging one another, to keep spurring one another on, to grow in faith, to keep walking with that end in mind. Knowing what Christ has done for us, knowing who we are because of that, we want to refresh each other, to, to be strengthened, to take the next step, to stay faithful. It's not always easy, is it, to keep going as Christians? Paul's writing this from jail. Probably in Rome. It's not all sunshine and roses. And yet, this is, this is the place that Paul talks about being refreshed and encouraged and full of joy, great joy. It's the power of our relationships in Christ, isn't it? They can sustain us and keep us going even when we are encountering the most unpleasant times of life. Friends, don't settle for friendships. Go for partnership in the faith. Dig in. Connect. Be present. Be, be part of each other's lives. Get, get together. Like we do that here on Sunday morning, don't we? That, that's, that's important. And our commitment to doing that is the kind of the basis of our, of our relationship together in the faith. But it shouldn't stop there. We have, other, we have Bible study groups where you can connect with people in a much more focused way. The few. We spend time together more casually and socially at different times. Let me remind you that Sunday family lunch is on next week. We have our morning tea kind of informal time later this morning. That's a wonderful opportunity for us to be expressing these relationships. Now I've got some tips for you on how to use that well in a minute. But, but we shouldn't stop there. We should be proactive at, at engaging with each other in, in other ways. Spending time with one another, catching up for coffee. Connecting. Maybe it is you we can connect still around some of those other things we enjoy together. We can get together and talk about the latest iPhone update. And use that as the basis for encouraging one another in the faith. As long as we don't just leave it at iPhone updates. That's a poor substitute, isn't it? We can play on sports teams together. We can help each other out with gardening, but, but we want to be seeking to spur one another on in faith. In all those ways where we want to think about how, how can I think about faith and encouraging in faith. And we can, just, we can ask the question, can't we, how are you going in the faith? That's, that's a good start. How are you going trusting Jesus? How are you going walking with Jesus as Lord?
how can I encourage you and help you? That's, that's, that's a good start. But sometimes uh, we want to push on. And uh, to, just to kind of give you some suggestions, maybe for the next time that you're together with some Christian brothers and sisters, <coughs> morning tea time, <coughs> it's coming very soon, here's some suggestions for some, some things you could ask one another. What did you enjoy most about today's service? It's simple, isn't it? But it's not just how's the weather this week. It's getting us to engage in our participation together in church. You can ask, what will you do differently in response to hearing the word today? You can ask, what's something you've been praying about? You can ask, who has been an encouragement to you in Christ this week? And you can ask, who are you trying to encourage? Who are you trying to build up in the faith in the week coming? I try, try to think about some questions that it's not too, they're not too heavy. I suggest don't lead with the question, what's the latest sin you've repented of? Um, we ought to, have, we ought to have, be able to have those conversations at times with each other. But it's probably not the first one. <laughs> uh, these are the kind of questions we can, we can share with one another while we're playing golf or catching up for coffee or just together at morning tea that will help us engage in this shared project of running the race, of fighting the good fight, of responding to Jesus in faith. And it's, and it's as we do this, what's going to happen? We are going to be encouraged and refreshed and full of great joy and feel that affection for one another that Paul knows with one isthmus. as we do these things that we're going to grow together as one gospel family and we are going to be overflowing with joy not in iPhones or golf or gardening but in Jesus let me pray for us Lord God please help us not to settle for friendships when in Christ we have so much more please make us an encouragement and make us an encouragement to one another in Christ may we refresh each other's hearts and may you deepen our joy in Jesus through one another we pray this in his great name Amen